launching a new series. The series we're launching into is In the Light, In the Light. In this month of March, we're really looking at what it means to live in the light. Now, if you've been around Christian circles for any amount of time or you've been around Christianity at some time, you would have probably heard at some stage the phrase to be the light. We are called to be the light, be the light unto the world. We're a city on a hill. That, that, that call from God to be the light. But really what we want to look at is why we're called to be the light. We also need to understand what it means to live in the light. In fact, what we're called to do is not so much generate the light ourselves, but we're more just called to be a reflection of the light and the love of Jesus to the world around us. In fact, how I be the light is actually through first living in the light. And if I can learn to live in the light, then I will become the light to the world around me. You know, it's, it's crazy how environments rub off on us. And uh, environments have a way of changing you without you even realizing it. If you're in an environment for long enough, we've got uh, a bunch of students who are going to be in Equipus College all, all year long, and many of them come from different towns, different cities, and have moved to Auckland. And right now, they all carry their own lingo. They've all got their own phrases and their way of doing things. And by experience, I can tell you, by the end of the year, there'll be a common language, there'll be a common lingo, because the environment will, will have a way of rubbing off. By the end of the year, everything will be so good. Thank you, Jesus. And by the end of the year, it just has a way of rubbing off. I grew up in a rural town, and I remember when I went to Bible college that, you know, when I, when I moved to the city, there's things about the environment that were different to me. The guys hugged a lot more than what I was used to. Uh, there was a lot more coffee consumption going on than what I was used to. People would spend times in the weekends in cafes, which I wasn't used to. But it's crazy after now being in the city for six years, how these things just rub off on you. How they just have a way of, of rubbing off and changing your life without you even knowing it. You see, you, your life will ultimately reflect the environment you position yourself in. That actually when it comes to being the light for Jesus, how we effectively be the light is we, first of all, we choose to position ourselves in the light, in God's presence. And it's amazing as you choose to position yourself in His presence, how it has a way of rubbing off on you. How it, how it has a way of changing your language. How it has a way of changing your perspective. All of a sudden, by being in His presence and remaining in His presence, it changes you. All of a sudden, your language has more hope. It has more love. It has more kindness. It has more joy. Why? Because of being in the light, which ultimately changes what I'm reflecting to the world around you. In fact, environments, you know, people go on trips overseas at different times and it's like they might go to Europe for six months and all of a sudden they come back and they've got an English accent now. Or well, they're off to the States and two months later they come back and they're speaking like an American. And there's certain people, it's like you put them in an environment and all of a sudden they pick up that accent. Why? Because an environment changes you. And the question I'm really asking is what environment are you positioning yourself in? Because your life will ultimately reflect where you position yourselves. I want to say in this series, let's position ourselves in the light. Let us position ourselves in God's presence. Let us position ourselves in His love and His hope. You see, I, even there's this moment in the book of Acts where, where in, in Acts 3, 
uh, there's uh, Acts 4, sorry, there's Peter and John are before the council, they're before the court, and they're getting accused of starting a rebellion, and they give an account for what they're doing. And, and in the moment, and the, the court kind of stops in this moment, and it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unskilled, ordinary men, but they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. It's an incredible, when they looked at them, they just looked like ordinary men. But when they saw their courage, when they heard how they spoke, they were astonished and took note. These guys have been with Jesus. There's something about their life that reminds me of that Jesus. There's something about them. Why? Because they positioned themselves in His presence. Their life ultimately changed to now reflect the presence and the person of who Jesus was. You know, I love uh, even when Jesus sends out His disciples, In Matthew, there's this moment where he sends the disciples out and he says this phrase, he says in in chapter 10, he says, what I've whispered in your ear, shout it from the roof. What I've whispered in your ear, shout it from the roof. Ultimately, what, what I've told you in secret, what I've spoken into your life, now declare it from the rooftop. The rooftop was just wherever you find yourself, climb on the roof of that place and declare the goodness of God. Whatever village, whatever career, whatever community, whatever environment you find yourself in, use that space as a space to declare the goodness of God. But the shout of their life or the message of their life was determined by the whisper they listened to. I say if you don't like the sound that's coming out of your life, you got to check the sound you're letting into your life. Because what's coming out of you is ultimately a reflection of what you're letting into you. And as we lean into and learn how to live in and abide in the light of God, the love of God, the revelation of God, our lives will reflect it when we learn how to live in it. That actually there's a, there's a, there's a confidence that can come out of your life when you understand what it means to live in the light. I'd say an internal freedom produces an external confidence. In fact, Proverbs 20, 28 verse 1 puts it like this, The wicked flee, that no one pursue him, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. How do you get boldness? How do you get godly confidence? It's through the righteousness of your life. That it's your right standing with God that produces a boldness. Boldness and confidence isn't a personality trait. It's not a character type. Boldness is a direct result to your standing with God. When I am righteous, I am then bold. That is my position in Him determines my confidence as I look ahead. And I'll say we want to be a bold people. We want to be a courageous people. But I don't get more courage by putting courage on. I get more courage by positioning myself in God. In fact, I I love how the psalmist in Psalm 18 puts it. Psalm 18 verse 28 says this, The Lord, you Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop with my God, I can scale a wall. I just love how the psalmist is writing here. 
that, the God, that he says, hey, your, your light, you light up my darkness. And out of that revelation comes a revelation that I can take on any troop and I can scale any wall. That actually the darkness there can be also translated as obscurity. The uncertain things of my life. The obscure things that I'm unsure of. God, when your light of revelation comes in, there's a confidence that also comes in. There's a boldness that comes in. That once I've got the light and the revelation of Jesus, then there's a declaration that comes out of my life that says, I can take on any troop and I can scale any wall. Why? Because of the light that has come into my world. This year, this series, this moment for us as equippers, we need to understand how do I live, live in the light. You know, I like how the, the Passion Translation unpacks a line in that Psalms. It says, it says, you are the revelation light in my darkness. You are the revelation light in my darkness. You are the light that reveals things. I love the fact that, that when the psalmist gets a revelation of the light of God, he also gets a revelation of the power of God. That as God brings light to the path, as God brings light to the uncertain things, as God brings light to the future ahead for me, that he also brings revelation of the power. Often when we think about the plans of God ahead of us, we often think they're nice and neat. But actually I've come to realize as God... Uh, 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 reveals the path for us, that sometimes the path means we come against troops, sometimes the path means we come against giants, and sometimes the paths have walls we need to scale. And I want to say we need to not just get a revelation of the direction God has for my life, but a revelation on the power that God can work through my life. God with you, I can scale any wall. You know, a lot of these guys even going to Bible college, God would have revealed to them a sense of, hey, it's time to step into college. There would have been a revelation in their heart, a conviction come on their life. Hey, it's time to go to college. But I know for some of them, because I know there was for me, just because God gives you the revelation and God gives you the direction doesn't mean it was a nice, neat journey to this moment. For some of you, there was awkward conversations. There was tough conversations with family. There was obstacles you had to work through and walls you had to scale to get here. There was battles you had to fight. But as God reveals, as God reveals the path, God also reveals his power. But I like the psalmist here because he says the revelation light and the light of revelation. I want to not talk to you so much about God lighting up the path ahead for you. But what, what happens when God lights up the things within you? When God reveals the things within you? Hey, um, a number of years ago, if you've been to Encounter, you might have heard this story. Uh, but a number of years ago, I uh, went on a camping trip. And uh, four of us pulled up to a car park lot. One of our friends decided he needed to go to the bathroom. And so he goes off to the bathroom before we go tramping. We were going to go and stay in a hut. So it was an overnight trip. So we all had a, a backpack on. And while he's away, one of my other friends gets an idea that we should take some river rocks and sneak them into the bottom of his bag. And so he's off uh, in the bathroom while we fill up the bottom of his bag with river rocks. Anyway, he comes and he, and he puts the bag on his back. Uh, and as he lifts it up, he goes, man, my bag's, my bag's heavier than what I thought. And then we all put ours on, and we go, yeah, so, so is ours, actually. And that's weird. Anyway, so we head off and start hiking. Four hours later, we arrive at the hut. 
And uh, we get to the hut and we start unpacking the bag. We lay out the, the sleeping bag and we get in everything out. And as he's unpacking the bag, he realizes that there was rocks in the bottom of his bag the whole time. It was like a moment of revelation for him that my bag was so heavy because there was rocks hidden in the bottom of it. And uh, I, anyway, he got pretty angry as you would after four hours of hiking up river rocks. But once he calmed down, he, I was having a chat to him later on and he goes, yeah, it was interesting. He said, because I knew I wasn't that unfit, but for some reason I was struggling to keep up with you guys. Because he was unaware that there was weights. He was unaware that there was things that were put in his bag that he was carrying that he shouldn't have been carrying. See, this whole series of In the Light is about giving God an opportunity to unpack our bag. To take a moment and allow God to put light on our world. Put light on our life. And look for the things that we're carrying around, we're lugging around that we're not supposed to be carrying. But it's the light of revelation that comes into our world. And there's certain things as, as God, like it was as He was unpacking the river rocks, there's certain things that God will reveal and God will bring out of our life that bring a great sense of freedom, a great sense of joy to deal with. There's been hurts that God's had to deal with. There's been mistakes that God's exposed. There's been failures that He's saying, hey, don't carry this around. There's discouragement He's saying, don't carry this around. But I've come to realize also there's times when God reveals things that we're not quite ready to deal with. What do you do when God wants you to let go of something you're wanting to hold on to? Hebrews 12 verse 1, well-known passage, but the writer here encourages us to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. There's a moment in here you've got to understand, he says, the things that hinder and the sin that entangles. Not everything that hinders you is a sin. That there's actually some things that might hinder you that technically, technically aren't a sin in your life, but they're a hindrance to your call. And I've found the sin is a little easier to allow God to deal with. But what happened when he picks up something and he wants to reveal something that says, hey, this is a hindrance, but you've built comfort around it. You've built identity around it. You've built security around it. But God's saying, no, but it's a hindrance to your call. It's a hindrance to you. Yeah, it might not be a sin, but it's a hindrance to where God's wanting to take you. This relationship. One when God wants to reveal that. One when God pulls something else and he says, hey, this belief system, you got to deal with it. Or when God pulls out this, hey, this pattern of behavior. Hey, it, it, it's time we work on this. What about when God pulls out the things like your tendency to want to isolate? Oh, but I'm introverted. You got to be careful not to let your introverted nature be a disguise for your isolated spirit and God says hey let's deal with this tendency to pull back from relationship is it a sin who knows but it will be a hindrance 
It will hinder your call. It will hinder what God can do. Hey, what about this independence? What about this attitude? What about this stubbornness? What about this anger? What about this career aspiration? That is a good thing, but not that thing. I've called you to do. What about this dream that has good intentions, but not God's design on it? What do you do when God puts his hand on things that we're not quite ready to deal with? You see, you've got to understand this. You've got to understand that anything God's wanting to deal in your life, deal with in your life, is only to bring about your freedom is only to bring about a greater sense of freedom to release a greater sense of destiny on your life. God wants to deal. Whatever God touches is for your benefit. But sometimes there's certain things, there's certain relationships, there's certain aspirations, there's certain desires that God's touching on, but somehow in our life we say, you know what, I would rather the pain of carrying it than the pain of dealing with it. I can still do life with this. I can still get by with this. I can still encounter God with this. But it's going to slow you down. It's going to slow you down from being able to scale the wall, from being able to take on the troops that God's called you to, do, to take on. There's things that we're not ready to deal with. But it, the, the thing I want to quickly look at tonight is what do you, what do, you do when the things God reveals are things you thought you were right about, but you were actually wrong about. Like, have you ever thought you were right, but actually been wrong? Like, you ever, you ever been in class, this has probably happened to a couple of you this year, and the teacher asks a question and you think you know the answer. In fact, you're confident in the answer to the degree you yell out your answer with confidence to only discover you're wrong. It's that sense of, of shame. It's that sense of, oh, I got it wrong. Or you ever been halfway through an argument and then realized halfway through that you actually got it wrong? Now, you got a decision to make in that moment. Two things. You either say, sorry, or you hold your position. You hold on. You dig your toes in. You dig deep. Why? Because being, being right isn't isn't really what you're going after. You're not really about having the right answer. You're just about projecting the right answer. You see, what happens when God says, hey, this thing you thought was right is actually, is actually wrong. There's a moment actually in the Bible where Martha, Jesus turns up to Martha's house and Martha and Mary are there. And Martha's in the kitchen cooking and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha walks in and says, Jesus, hey, this is wrong. Mary should be in the kitchen with me. Jesus, tell Mary to come. She walked in with confidence that she was in the right. Jesus stops her in that moment and says, hey, Martha, you got it all wrong. Mary's actually doing what the will of God is for this moment. That there's sometimes there's some things. There's some, I, I remember being in Bible college and uh, about halfway through the year, God revealing to me an unforgiveness in my heart that I was holding on to towards somebody. The reason I still had the unforgiveness is because the person was still operating out of the behavior that was hurting people. 
And so I had reason not to forgive because the behavior hadn't stopped. I remember God confronted me one day. He said, you got reason not to forgive, but you don't have a right not to forgive. God pulled a rock out of my life and said, you might have reason, but you don't have the right to hold that. What do you do when God, what do you do when you find yourself halfway through the conversation with God and you realize you got it wrong? That relationship you're so willing to tell God that is, a God, that is the person for you and this is the one I'm going to, what happens when halfway through the conversation you realize God's saying, no, it's not? What about that, 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 that course you've been studying and halfway through now you're realizing God's saying, hey, it might be a different direction now. What do you do when God reveals a different direction? Now, being married has a number of moments where you get to learn how to deal with being wrong. And uh, it's been a great learning journey for Leela to go on. And uh, for me, it's been a great learning journey for me to go on. How to deal with or, or responses to being wrong. I want to quickly look at some responses to being wrong. I first want to look at some negative responses we often take to being wrong. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because if we're going to choose to live in the light, we got to be prepared and humble in heart to deal with what God's asking us to deal with, to work on what God's asking to work on. Because as we get an internal freedom, we're going to get an external confidence and our witness about God. And so there's things, there's moments where God, through people, through situations, are going to re- reveal things that we need to go, okay, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that. You know, one of the first responses I know I learned in my life is one of my first responses when you find out you're actually wrong or first responses to the areas I need correction and first thing to do is to ignore it, is to ignore it. You know, there's a moment in in Matthew uh, 22 where Pharisees have come to Jesus and they're questioning Jesus, trying to catch him out, trying to, trying to catch him out on, on his, his theology, on, on just trying to expose him as being a, a false prophet. Anyway, Jesus responds to their line of questioning with another line of questioning. But it's a line of questioning that challenges and confronts them. And there comes to a point where at the end of the conversation, none of them could answer. In fact, in Matthew 22, verse 46, it says, No one could come up with an answer. And from that day, none of the Pharisees had the courage to question Jesus any longer. From that day on, once they were confronted with truth, they just decided to ignore the reality of it. They chose to remove themselves from the environment that was challenging them. And I, I know for me, sometimes when God's confronting things in me, sometimes it's easier to ignore what's going on and remove myself from an environment that might convict and might challenge me to move forward. It's the response. See, they didn't come to Jesus to get answers. They came to Jesus to try and affirm their position, not to be challenged on it. So often we go to God and we're trying to affirm our thoughts affirm our beliefs, but we're not opening to God challenging us on them. I want to say, if you want to live a, lot, a life in the light, you need to be open to the challenging of God. That God would come in with grace, but He would bring us truth to help you move forward. But often at times when God puts our hand, His hand on something, we can, oh, I'll just ignore that. No one will know that's going on. 
I'll just park that to the side and I'll ignore it. The next thing we do is we discount it. We acknowledge it, but then we discount it. That God speaks and God says something. And in the moment, we take note. But on Monday morning, we discount his credibility. Oh, oh, that might have just been something in the moment. I'm fine. We ignore, we discount it. The third thing we can do often is when things challenge is we discredit. We discredit the source. That uh, Jesus will reveal things through many different ways. He'll reveal things to us through his word. He'll reveal things to us through other people. He reveals things to us through situations, through moments in God. But you see throughout the Bible when Jesus would be confronting towards people, that when people couldn't ignore or discount his teaching, they would start to discredit the teacher. Oh, he's just the carpenter's son. Who is he to be telling us he's just the carpenter's son? I mean, does the Bible really say it like that? I mean, is the Bible really truth? People try and discredit the source because they don't want to deal with the things that they need to deal with. And so they carry around these things that are hindering them and wonder why they can't step into what God's calling them to. For you to take step into where God's taking you, you've got to deal with the things God's trying to free you from. The next thing, and we've been doing this since the very beginning, is when we realize we're wrong or we get challenged on something, is we pull out the blame card. <laughs> we blame others and we blame God. Adam's been doing it since the beginning. Genesis 3 verse 12, when Adam was confronted on why he ate the apple, his response was, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit and I ate it. When he was pushed on when he was challenged his response was yeah but it was her it was it was her and God you put her here so it's everybody else's fault I acknowledge there's a problem but I don't take responsibility for it somebody else needs to deal with it it's not my fault it's the house I grew up in yeah, that, that has real there, there's real problems and, and a lot in the way a lot of us were brought up in New Zealand But it's still my problem to deal with. I can't just blame and not take ownership. But as as I choose to take on the grace of God and the truth of God, I discover the freedom of God. The word and the truth of God is there to bring about freedom in your world. We ignore, we discount, we discredit, we blame. This is the one I'm probably most guilty of is I justify. I justify. I justify my position. You can pretty much find any translation that's going to justify some position you hold on to in the Bible. But it'll be a false interpretation of what God's actually saying. We try and justify, justify our position, justify our attitude, justify our behavior, justify our habits. God's putting pressure on, hey, what do you spend and use your resource that way. Oh, I, I needed that. We justify. We, we create reasons within ourselves to believe 
No, I'm right in this. When God's pushing in. You see, one thing you've got to understand is the thing about the disciples is they would have had the most challenge, the most challenging conversations and the most correcting conversations with Jesus out of everybody. How do you take a fisherman and in three years' time release them as apostles? Well, they positioned themselves in the environment, but they opened their heart to the correction and the truth of Jesus. In fact, there's moments in Scripture where Jesus is teaching a whole group of people and, and disciples just stood up and walked away. It's like they couldn't handle what Jesus was trying to say. It was confronting them. So instead of dealing with it, they chose to ignore it. They chose to walk away from it. They started to discredit Jesus. They started to discount his teaching. They started to blame others and they justified their position. But it's also the last we hear of them. But Peter, out of everybody, Peter out of everybody. You see, I want to say, I want to suggest just three quick ways. In this series, we're asking God, God, come into my life. God, and reveal to me the things that are hindering me. Reveal to me the things I'm carrying around that I shouldn't be carrying around. That, that false, that, that, that expectation you're putting on yourself. To live up to a standard God's not even asking you to live with. God, come on, let's deal with that. Why is that? Where is that coming from? God, come and shine light on my life so I might find the freedom in you so I can scale the walls you have before me. I want to find freedom. I want to say when the correction and when God puts his hand on things in our life, I want to quickly look, just three responses. First, we need to humbly acknowledge. I love Peter in the Bible because in one minute, there's a moment where Peter's confessing Jesus as the Messiah, the first person to do something, and Jesus is like, on that revelation, I'm going to build my rock. And in the very next passage, Jesus is rebuking Peter and calling him Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Now, I've had some confronting conversations with God, yet to be called Satan from God. But Peter is in this moment where he, he, he thinks he's right. Jesus like explains that he's going to pass away and rise again. And Peter pulls him aside and says, no, nah, that's not going to happen. And so he goes in thinking he's right, but gets rebuked by Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. Now, a lot of people in that moment would have gone, well, who's he to call me? And up and left. But Peter understood the heart of Jesus. That the teachings of Jesus and the ways of God and not there for your harm, they're there for your good. They're there to prosper you. They're there to bring about a hope. They're there to bring about a future in your world. So whatever God's trying to confront, it's for my good. Yeah. It's for my hope. It's for my freedom, although challenging. And so the first thing he does is he humbly acknowledges. He doesn't throw away, throw everything out and walk away. In fact, six days later is when Peter's standing in this moment where you got Elijah and Jesus and Moses and there's three other guys there witnessing him. Why? Because he chose to just humbly acknowledge the fact, I've got things to work on. I wonder from the outset of this series if we can all just humbly acknowledge there's some things in my life that I need to work on. I acknowledge it. 
The next thing is he embraced truth. You know, when all the disciples were walking away from Jesus, Jesus actually turned to Peter and said, hey, do you want to go too? Peter's response was, where else am I going to go? Your words have eternal life. That he acknowledged humbly, God, I need, Jesus, I need you to come and work on my life. And then he embraced the truth. He embraced the words of Jesus. He embraced what God had for him. And then the last thing is he, he welcomed change. He welcomed change. I asked Joshie to come join us on keys just as we finish here tonight. Humbly acknowledge he embraced the truth and he welcomed change. There's a moment in Scripture where Peter's asleep and the Spirit wakes him up and gives him a dream. Now, Peter was a Jew, and to the Jews, there was a lot of prejudice towards the Gentiles. The Jews weren't to associate with the Gentiles. That was Peter's belief. But in a dream, Jesus confronts that. God confronts that belief. He says, hey, this isn't what? This isn't the way I view the world. This isn't my viewpoint on humanity. In fact, all people matter to God. And then the Gospels that go to all people. Peter wakes up in that moment and instantly responds and changes towards that direction. A belief he had grown up with that had been ingrained into him. And a moment is willing to just welcome. Welcome change. I want to say there's beliefs, there's behaviours, there's patterns, there's thoughts, there's attitudes, there's actions that all of us hold that need to be worked on. And living in the light is an opportunity to stop and say, God, would you come with your revelation light and show me what's hindering me? But not just show the things I want gone, show the things that need to be gone. So I might be able to Take on any troop and scowl any wall. God, bring about freedom in my world so I can shine confidently your love and your grace to the world around me. My life will reflect the environment I position myself in. I just want to finish by praying for us. Wherever you are, why don't you just close your eyes? Maybe you want to bow your head. Maybe even comfortable enough wherever you are to lift a hand or two. I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit would come right now. I specifically just feel there's some things. God's been knocking on the door of some things in your life. And for you, you've been ignoring it. You know God's been saying, hey, it's time we deal with this. It's time we look at this. But your response has been to ignore it. But God's knocking on the door of your heart because He desires freedom. Not only does God reveal things, He also has the power to change things. Saying, hey, would you let me? Would you let me? Come on, that's you. I I just want you to think of that thing in your heart right now. And I just want to say a prayer. Saying, God, we open our hearts. Those areas in our life that have been hindering us. 
those things, those attitudes, those thoughts, those behaviours. God, the things we've been ignoring. We know they've been in there, God, but we've been happier to walk around with it than stop and sit down and deal with it. But God, we ask with your grace, with your truth, and with your spirit, would you come right now and help us, God? We thank you, Jesus. You don't point and walk away. But God, you're here to help. So Holy Spirit, I pray you come and even in this moment, bring a freedom. Bring a freedom in Jesus' name.